P. Ryan is in. One timeout for Cincinnati. And going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase. Oh, my goodness, what a crab. 34-yard touchdown throw. Burrow back to throw. Fires deep down the yeah. sideline. Chase wide oh, open. Oh, oh. Touchdown. Man. Bengals. Unreal. Hello and welcome to episode 187 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons. Welcome along. And you know what? Just like that, just like that, click of the fingers, uh, the Bengals are tied for first in the AFC North. As ridiculous as that sounds, we are now 2-2 two and two after the very hard-fought but much-needed 27-15 win over the Miami Dolphins, and here to chew the fat, chew the cud, chew on anything he can get hold of, it's Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. How you doing, my son? What a fantastic win that was, eh, to get us to the dizzy heights of two and two, and like you said, things are all looking a bit different and a bit, uh, bit more partly cloudy now after what was uh, pretty pretty, cla- uh, pretty cloudy, drizzly, miserable <laughs> initial 0-2. But certainly the sun's out. It's about a nice, nice 24 degrees now. And I think people feeling quite pleased with themselves. You're, you're stretching that weather metaphor out for all it was worth there, um, Nathan. <laughs> I got into it and then panicked a bit, but I think I styled it out. <laughs> yeah, you did. You styled that one out. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Quarter of the season gone, just when it was looking, you know, not great, not the best start in the world for the Bengals. Um, they pulled it out of the bag with a convincing, fairly convincing win over the Jets, um, who went in and beat the Steelers hilariously uh, yesterday. And uh, and then on Thursday night, in what can only be described as just an astonishing-looking atmosphere, the aesthetics of the 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 white tiger stuff, everyone bought into that. Uh, the atmosphere looked fantastic. Some of our flock went, so big up Benji and Stu and uh, Vicky were out there enjoying the fun. And um, Stu Davis reported back saying that um pretty much the whole of Thursday the city was engaged the atmosphere around the town was fantastic you had to tick it off as another win for the Bengals engagement marketing team really as a marketeer yourself you've got to be impressed with all this kind of activity it's really getting the fans going isn't it 100% and you you look at the the real sort of um, cherry on Sunday with that was the highest ever attendance in Paul Brown Stadium history. Pay call. Uh, and it's a mistake we're all going to make, let's face it. <laughs> yeah, I just took getting used to that pay call, um, the pay call name, but... Yeah, I mean, what a great stat for Paycor, you know, only been there for four games or, you know, regular season games anyway, and it's already had the highest ever attendance, and it really did. I mean, I, I said on Twitter, but it really um, hats off to the fans that were there. I mean, it was a really incredible atmosphere, the whiteout, everyone put a ton of effort into that and creating a, a real sort of cauldron of an atmosphere, you know, it just sounded absolutely fantastic, electric, loud, um, you know, I think the Dolphins had a couple of... Uh, couple of delay of games and you could really tell that um the crowd really gave the bengals the edge in that game and it's a very close game i mean the score if you woke up the next morning and saw it and it was 27 15 you think oh that sounds fairly comfortable it, it, it was anything but that so fair play to the fans sort of willing the team over the line should we say in ddd um this episode we have a special guest we have um uh, all bengals well, we've got to say that now because that's who she works for. All Bengals, Elise Jesse, but really, we've known her for a while now, and Elise is always good fun when she comes on the the podcast. And uh, she'll be joining us a bit later to give us her verdict on where the Bengals are, because of course, a quarter, Nathan, a quarter of the not not you know you know it's a fair chunk now, a quarter of the season is gone, and how quickly things move in this this incredible league that we are fans of 
It comes around quick, doesn't it? I mean, not quite a quarter now, I suppose, now of the 17-game season. Yeah, if we're yeah that's be, true, that's true, that's true. That's we're going to be really anal about it, son, just to, just to get you on the detail. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it does come around quickly. And, you know, four, four games to kick things off against teams that it's still difficult to really put your finger on how good some of those teams we've played are. I really don't think the Steelers are great. No. The Dolphins are a pretty good team. Um, the Cowboys actually don't look as bad as I think. We Cooper Rush, there. hello. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're all of a sudden starting to look like not as bad of a loss as we perhaps once thought. Um, and the Jets. He broke actually, a record yesterday. Did you see that? He became the uh, NFL's lead uh, leading quarterback of all time, named Cooper Rush. I can't think of the record now, so I'm just making it up as I go along. So he is the most Cooper Rush QB that's. That's called Cooper Rush. And uh, uh, I'll shut up now because I can't remember the record. But he broke a record. So all those all those people saying that, oh, the Bengals lost to Cooper Rush. Well, you know, put that in your pipe and stick it up your ass, and then smoke it and see how you like it. Um, of course, no one can predict how good Cooper Rush has been these last uh, few games. But uh, just to put it a bit of perspective there, Nathan, a bit of perspective. Yeah, fair play to the geezer. I mean, you know, like I said, that game all of a sudden now doesn't look perhaps as bad as a loss. But to sit there two and two, like you said, son, obviously when we were 0 and 2, there was some just sort of mild nerves and a bit of panic starting to set in that all, you know, these games, we shouldn't be losing them and what's happened. And the AFC North looked quite spicy. And with all of them losing at the weekend and us getting a fantastic win on Thursday night, it gives us a long week to get. Um, you know, rest up and get ready for that big game against the Ravens next week. All of a sudden, like you said, you're tied for first. You're tied also for the bottom um, of the division. But it's wide open and you all of a sudden you think, well, you know, I feel quite good about where we are. So, yeah, yeah uh, I mean, tough. it's weird, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I think I'm sure you, me and the rest of Bengal Nation um, kind of just kicked back, cracked over a couple of beers stuff their faces in front of the TV, uh, put their feet up in their favourite chair and just kind of in, in watched Red Zone with no real skin in the game aside from our AFC North uh, foes and thankfully they all lost. But do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like often, it's weird watching, it's weird watching Red Zone knowing that your your team is coming up afterwards because you kind of go through the ringer during red zone with all the clothes, you know, because there's always crazy finishes every week now. It's like waiting in a doctor's surgery. You're nervous as hell. You're like just doing anything to kind of keep your keep your mind off stuff. And you feel as though when your name is called finally, you're completely knackered and emotionally uh, drained. Um, do you know what I mean? So it was quite nice not having to worry about anything aside from just watching some... Uh, some uh, Amez, some American football last night. I I enjoyed it greatly and just chuckled uh, all the way to my bed when uh, all the AFC North teams lost. So, um, do you feel that? Do you feel like it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a night of contrasting emotions? Oh yeah, I love it. I mean, when you sit there, you can watch a bit of Red Zone with no. St- I mean, I, I if the Bengals are on, obviously that's the priority. You watch that, but I do love watching a bit of Red Zone. It's, I mean, it's six hours or a bit more than that of just absolutely relentless entertainment. <laughs> I know uh, it's relentless, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, you can't. You get easy alone. I mean, like we've said this before, but I mean, Sunday evenings, at the, you know, during the summer at the best of times, aren't that much. Oh, that was fun. So I think to sit there and, you know, like you said, crack open a few beers, have a few, oh, have a bit of nachos or something like that, you know, unbelievable um, setting for a Sunday afternoon into the evening. Agreed. Now, we're going to delve, uh, we're going to do some reaction uh, for the uh, Dolphins game um, in a second. But as I say, we are more or less uh, a quarter into the season. So let's, let, uh, this is via the excellent Jay Morrison. Um, here we are, the ranks. How are the Bengals doing, Nathan? Let's, I wonder how the Bengals doing. Let's have a look, shall we? Total offense, they're 16th, so kind of middle of the pack. Uh, rush offense, 26th, no surprises there either. Pass offense, 8th, no surprises there either. Scoring office, 13th, so again, sort of, you know, middle of the pack-ish. 
Uh, total defense eleventh. I thought that was. I thought we'd be a bit higher than that. I thought we were the week previous. Then actually, rush defense fourth, pass defense nineteenth, and uh, scoring defense eighth. So you know the defense is just about where we thought they were, and certainly the offense is kind of where um, we thought they were. Could, would you agree with that? I think so. Yeah, I think. So hearing those numbers, I would have thought the defense would be a little bit higher on that scale. Um, I guess they haven't scored any big touchdowns, but I think they've been very stingy and they've really kept us in games. I, I you know, even in this game, like I said, the twenty-seven fifteen. If it's not for that pick at the end and the fantastic return for Von Bell, mm. all of a sudden at the end of the game, it feels a bit one-sided and it feels like you've given them a bit of a beating. But if the reality was, it wasn't like that. And I tell you now, some. The guys that the guys are my favourite group yeah. by a mile on this team at the moment that just do not get enough respect is the secondary. Yeah. Jess Bates, Von Bell, Mike Hilton, Cheeto, you know, Eli Apple, all of them. They're they're a really, really good little group that they just keep people locked down. I know Tyreek Hill had a big game, but Jalen Waddle didn't do much. You know, two catches, thirty nine yards, you get a couple of interceptions um on defence and you know, that keeps you in the game. It wins you the game effectively. I, I just think at the moment the offense isn't really doing enough on its own to sort of power us past people. It's getting better. It's chugging along. It's But it's it stop-start, and it's still not anywhere near where it needs to be at the moment. And there was times where you could tell the, the crowd were getting very frustrated in that yeah, game. And yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to be in but... Well, um, let, let, oh, let's do it now. Let's do it now, Nathan. Let's bring it well, in. Bring it in. Get, Get it, go on. Okay, yes, uh, the Bengals 27, the Dolphins, the Dolphins of Miami uh, 15. And anyway, yeah, carry on, what were you saying? Yeah, well, it's, the offense is still not there, is it? I know Burrow, if you look at his stat line, 20 of 31, 287 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, only sacked once, which was, you know, a massive improvement. Tyler Boyd as well with a pass for 23 yards. It's a fantastic play. <laughs> That's great, yeah, yeah. Great arm, Tyler Boyd. I tell you, he got in a bit of velocity, good yeah, spin on yeah. it. Like, fair play to the geezer. I don't want to see that again. Um, but, yeah. The, here's the thing about this offense, right? And they bash away. They're trying to get the run game going. You can understand why they're trying to do that. I am fully in agreement uh, with trying to do that. But it gets really stodgy. You know, leaves us at a very long down and distance. You have to rely on Burrow's heroics. And when Burrow isn't quite on his game, which he isn't at the moment, I'm, I'm going to say it, I don't think he's quite there yet. I agree. He's obviously showing signs and he's he's a fantastic player, but he's not quite there yet, I don't think. Um, and then they just come out and absolutely pull your pants down. Do you know what I mean? It's like stodgy as hell. The crowd's getting a bit antsy. Yeah. Everyone's getting a bit frustrated. And then bang. You know what I mean? T. Higgins, 50-odd yard touchdown. Jamar Chase down the sideline, one on, you know, man coverage, off he goes. Tyler Boyd, another yeah. another long connection, another long reception for Tyler Boyd. Um, it's... <laughs> I mean, oh, I don't know, Nathan. Again, they struggle, they struggle, they struggle, then bang. And I don't know whether that's by design. They're just being like complete, um, the best shithouses you've ever seen in your life, where they just say, yeah, yeah, come, come, come. We're not very good. We're not very good. Bang. Ah, ha, ha, see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> And it's easy to say this because you say this for a lot of teams, but like you take those three plays out, the big ones, the 59-yarder to Higgins, the 36-yarder to Chase that set up the touchdown and the 43-yarder to Boyd. And it's a real lacklustre performance outside of those three plays. It, it just it didn't, Nothing really got going. There wasn't many, much explosion. They were just absolutely forcing the ball to Joe Mixon. I mean, yeah. Joe Mixon had 28 touches of the ball in that game for a total of 74 yards. I mean, you know, you're looking at that and thinking, goodness me, like really not much happening at all. They got P Ryan in there for one carry, got nothing out of it, you know? So it really, 
you know, not much was happening apart from those three explosive plays. But I do, you know, I think I think a lot of credit should be given to the Bengals because they, yeah, you make it happen. Yeah, you make it happen. Now they they might well have been lulling the Dolphins into some sort of false sense of security. Who knows? Um, but we saw it all last year. You know, it's kind of when the offense was struggling, they were always able. Yep, to yep. come up with a big play, a big first down, a, a you know a huge scoring play of of you know sixty yards or whatever, do you know what I mean? Uh, and I think the thing is, okay, right. Obviously, the thing happened with Tua. It was horrific. It was terrifying. Yep. Absolutely delighted that he seems to be okay. Uh, yep. What happens going forward with with Tua and the Dolphins? You know, that's not for this podcast, frankly. We're a Bengals podcast, but obviously, we wish him well. I like Tua; he was playing yep. well. Fair play to him. I like Mike McDaniel as a as a. Bl- I think he's quite nerdy and quite amusing, actually. Uh, and I like him. I don't. Bit of a geezer, you know, isn't he? He's a bit of a geezer. He's a bit, a bit of a funny old geezer. I think the phrase is down your yep. way. Um, but that's by the by. What I'm trying to say is, you know, that that incident. Took a lot of the wind out of the dolphin sail sails. Took a, a lot of wind out of the crowd sails because no one likes to see that kind of stuff happen on a football field. Uh, and it took, no doubt, took a bit of wind out of the Bengals sails uh, as well. But it's interesting to me the reaction to to a Bengals win when they did grind it out. They, you know, there's no messing. Like you said, they didn't play great on offense. Played terrific on defense, but. Not great on 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 defense. Oh, sorry, on offense. Seems to me that the real congratulations here were going to the Dolphins. It, the, the Dolphins were being more talked about than the Bengals after this this win. There was like, oh yeah, aren't the Dolphins plucky for getting out there and giving it a good old go and you know all this and all that. I'm impressed with the Dolphins' grit and determination and. Uh, it's like, well, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, they, they did a they did a nice job in coming back from what was no doubt a really emotional yep. gut punch, really, because it was a terrifying situation when you see your leader, your number one. He's you know he's got number one on his shirt. You know what I mean? When you see that kind of guy go down, we know it all too well. When Burrow went down a couple a year or so ago, you know, um, but yeah, it was frustrating to me. I, I, maybe I don't think the Bengals got enough credit really because they really, you know, the Dolphins are a good team. We struggled on offense, but we found enough, and there is some skill in that. I think there's some skill in being, uh, Joe Boy being able to diagnose an offense to find just a chink of light to force the door open just the once on because we know from last year. This is what they did, and they only need one or two chances, and bang, it's it's game over. And they're, they're doing it exactly the same way. I'm not saying it's the right way or the yeah. wrong way. It puts us through the absolute ringer, but yeah. that's the way they're doing it at the moment. Yeah, you're right. It's interesting for the Bengals as well because they're four games in. Obviously, none of the guys played any preseason. And someone on Twitter was saying, right, that's the preseason over now. Let's get the real stuff out moving forward in the season. And they, I think they were probably by a whisker. That was their best game against the Dolphins, which is encouraging that you're moving in the right direction. I don't think they're playing anywhere near their best. But it doesn't matter at the moment. You're two and two. You, you Like you said, you're, you're level with everyone else in the division. And... That's the big thing for us is you're getting the wins. You Like you said with Joe Boy on this offense and defense, they got that win. It's primetime game. You're against an unbeaten team. I know obviously they've lost their quarterback mid-game. It really does give you an advantage going up against a backup like Teddy Bridgewater, who's, you know, by all accounts, one of the better backup quarterbacks around the league. A lot of experience, mm. knows what he's doing. But obviously for their game plan and everything else, it's going to shred that up a bit. But... I think that's why mentally for the Bengals, being there at two and two is important because you don't want to be in a situation where you'd lose this game. You go in at one and three and you're, you're sitting there thinking, goodness me, like we really shouldn't be only one win from those games. And you're trying to, you know, you, you're sort of not panicking, but you're going away to the Ravens on primetime football again, which is going to be a very, very difficult game. That one that I do not think will be favorites for. But again, the quality of the football is meaningless. It's just we're two and two. Yeah. And I think we'll get better. And you want to see us playing like we did last season at our best 
going down the stretch when you've got a bit of momentum, a bit of rhythm, people are, you know, a bit more familiar with the game plans and the rust is off. That's when you want us to be good, when you're going up against people like the Bills and the Chiefs and, you know, you're sort of heading into the playoffs. And I hope that's what this team will do. It's all well and good for teams like the Ravens to be getting, you know, oh, Lamar Jackson, oh, isn't he playing so well this year and this, that and the other. And the reality is they're two and two. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so I'm not especially worried about where we are at the moment. You know, I think we're, um, I think we're we're okay, and I think it was a, it was mentally, I just think a huge win for us to get over the Dolphins. The Dolphins, you know, the sort of league darlings, really weren't they coming yeah, into this? Yeah, yeah. You know, you got this new young head coach that everyone's heralding. Tua's playing extremely well. You got the young, fast. Um, receivers with Tyreek Hill and Waddle and I know it's under slightly controversial circumstances I would have loved to have seen Tua stay in that game obviously and give us a real give us a real go he was playing yeah, really well downfield yeah, 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 yeah. um, he had the one interception but <laughs> he's playing exciting football and I would have loved to have seen him you know, see if we could have beaten them with him, you know, behind the helm. I mean, we we have been fairly lucky when you look at um, the standard of quarterbacks that we've come up against. You know, we got Trubitsky in the first game, who by all accounts is a starter. You got the backup in Joe Flacco uh, with Zach Wilson being out. You got the backup with Cooper Rush with Dak being out. And then for over a half of football, you play Miami's backup with Teddy Bridgewater. So, like I said, with the you know the the Bengals, they they're almost a bit fortunate to be two and two, but you'd absolutely take that moving forward. Um, and I saw someone come out on Twitter today. I believe it's to be true that we've got the eighth easiest sh- remaining schedule. I don't know about uh, that. Um, Bloody hell, Bills, Chiefs. Probably is that I don't know if that's based on the whole like you know how many wins a team's got at the moment, which perhaps isn't wholly reflective of mm. you know, who they actually are, but. I, yeah, like I said last week, I don't think our schedule, based on you know sort of four games in, what we've seen from some teams around the league, is as difficult as we perhaps thought it was. So, well, I think it's going to get difficult. We've got to play the Ravens tw- twice, the Browns twice. We've got to play the Bills, the Chiefs, the uh, the Titans, who have picked up a bit of form now, back to their what true. their playoff. You know, there's seven games there that <laughs> that's going to be tricky. Um, let's just talk before we we bring um, Elise in. Um, we've already mentioned them, the defense and your favorite unit there. The Bengals' cornerbacks have allowed zero touchdowns through four weeks of football. That's fairly Unbelievable. astonishing. Unbelievable. And but I wouldn't, you know, that Jesse Bates has said the communication back there is there. It's elite level. Do you know what I mean? They know exactly where they're supposed to be. They know exactly where each other supposed to be. That's a huge thing in the NFL. And then you add in the form of Logan Wilson, who's playing lights out again. Uh, and then the periphery linebackers like, you know, I know Jermaine Pratt was back, played well. ADG is playing really well. Uh, yep. And then you see how well uh, Hubbard and Hendrickson played on the edges uh, last uh, last week. I was really worried about the effect of the loss of DJ Reader. 100%. And yet, Tupu got a sack. We all know what happened, but he got a sack. He got pressure at the middle. BJ Hill is becoming more and more noticeable as the weeks yeah. go by. Um, you know, it's 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 a unit that is playing very very well, and as you say, kind of you know carrying the team a little bit. You know, uh, the offense is doing just about enough, but. Um, that defense is is winning games, I think, at the moment, which is oh, it really is. Given the, they're forcing turnovers most weeks, and they're also getting field position out of it. Like Von Bell in that in that game um, just this week, gone. He gets that interception, but he also gets about forty odd yards on the return. Just sets them up nicely at the end there, you know. So they're they're playing so well, um, and I just hope they can keep that going. And you've got to tip your hat massively to Lou for the job he's doing as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. That communication's all well and good between between the guys there, but it, someone's got to be telling them the right things. And he's really come on, I think, <laughs> as a play caller and a leader. You know, when he was first there, I think there was a question, a lot of question marks around 
the defence. They couldn't stop the run and it looked a bit porous at times. But it, it's really stepped up and it's, it's the strength of this team. And like I said last week, you can bang on about the superstars on offence and your fantasy players like Burrow, Mixon, Higgins, Chase and Boyd. But right now... The, the guys that are consistently turning up and lighting up is a bit silent. Like, you know, that stat about them not giving up um, a touchdown in four games is incredible. You know, that unit not allowing one touchdown through the air to um, wide receivers is absolutely fantastic, you know. So a lot of credit's got to go there to what they're doing. Um, and I hope they can keep doing it. Agreed. Right, let's bring... We are going to talk about the running game, but uh, we're going to leave it to the correspondence because a few of you guys out there have asked the question and given us your thoughts on the running game. And I'll tell you who else is going to give us her thoughts on the running game. It is Elise Jesse. Elise, welcome back to Cincinnati. Thank you for having me. It's been a while. It's good to see you. Yeah, likewise. It is, genuinely. And um, it has been a while. And i tell you what, the last time you were on, I remember it very vividly, you were reporting on disharmony in the Bengals locker room. Do you remember that? Yeah, Two years down the line, that was Zach's first year, and, Mm -hmm. you know, Carlos Dunlap, Gino Atkins, some some kind of, some guys from the Marvin era, not too happy with the new regime. Two years, that has changed incredibly. The locker room, it was the, the run to the Super Bowl last year, uh, the locker locker room was credited for being a huge part of that success, wasn't it? And what have you what have you seen in the in this kind of two years since we last spoke? Well, I I saw him flip the roster like any coach would. To he needs players to fit his scheme, and Marvin Lewis's players just simply didn't fit Zach Taylor's scheme. Um, and he made some coaching changes as well. Back the last time I was talking to you. Um, he has a new offensive line coach, uh, has some new coaches in there. So um, it seems like they're gelling a lot better and the locker room seems like it's a, it's a good place for the players to be. They seem really happy. They seem to enjoy each other. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think my favorite, this is crazy because my favorite player in the locker room, I always have a favorite each year. And for a, a very many years, it was Andrew Whitworth mm. because um he was always so nice and personable and was always willing to talk to you. And he just made your job a little bit easier. And this year it's Teddy Karras. I thought that maybe it would be, you know, uh, Jamar Chase, which I like him as well. Um, or Joe Burrow, which I like him as well. He's very kind, but Teddy Karras takes the cake. I think the rest of his teammates feel the same way. Is it? Well, yes, exactly. Because I, I mean, he's taking on the Huday chant role already yeah, in the locker room. First year. I know. That's amazing, isn't it? Um, I'm not surprised. Is it something to do with offensive linemen? They're a little bit more down to earth and kind of personable than, or is that just a sweeping generalization? Um, In my experience, they're just, they're a little less flashy. If that makes sense. Naturally, they're a little less flashy than a wide receiver or a cornerback, something like that. Uh, and I don't know. I, I seem to like the guys in the trenches. Um, they just keep it real and they they don't BS you ever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's always a good thing, I think. Um, but let's talk about uh, we're recording this on the Friday after the Thursday. Mm-hmm. And we talk about changes in the organization, the club. Goodness me. I mean, one of the things that, you know, we've been talking about, a lot of fans have been talking about is the way the Bengals have transformed themselves into a, let's put it as it is, a modern sport, global sporting franchise. And that means ramping things up in terms of facilities and stadium improvements there down the line, a practice bubble, and also incredible work by the social team. An engagement team as well to get bums on seats, as we say in the UK, in the yeah. stadium. Again, we're thousands of miles away. We know a couple of British fans were there last night. Uh, well, yeah, awesome. last night for the game. But the rest of us were looking on with pure and utter FOMO. It looked incredible. <laughs> the atmosphere looked off the charts. Um, how was it, basically? I'll tell you what, Paul, I have been to many games over the 
nine or 10 years that I've been covering the Bengals. And that was the most fun, the most electric, the lo- the most um, wild atmosphere that I have ever seen inside of that stadium. It was the largest crowd that's ever been there. Over 67,000 people were there all in white. Um, it, it just, it you could sense a different type of energy. Thursday night football, primetime stage, fans were amped up, players were amped up. Um, they had a light show going on. I mean, it was everything that, you know, I, I think that fans in Cincinnati have been dreaming about for a long time. Mm. They finally pulled it off. And I think I actually think Elizabeth Blackburn has quite a lot to do with these changes that we've been seeing. And I think she's having a really positive impact on this organization. Yeah, uh, we're, we're very lucky to have her and her energy um, uh, just I mean, we've had her on the podcast and she, just energy is infectious. So if her personal energy can um, influence others, then it kind of spreads. And plus you add in the fact that the team is is winning what well, it is now uh, winning and fans want to be part of that, you know, so it's it is it's an exciting time to be a Bengals fan. Let's just hope. Uh, they can carry on, uh, which leads me nicely to the current state of affairs. Um, <laughs> it's been a slow start to the season, I think, with the team. Um, what do you put your finger on the reason for that slow start? Um, I mean, it's, it's been talked about widely uh, on a national um, stage and perspective was just the lack of preseason snaps. Um, Joe Burrow had that appendectomy, and um, I, I think that affected him a lot more than we were led to believe. And I believe he was in the hospital for five days. He was at practice, but sitting on a cart for a couple of days. Um, and I, I think that the offensive line having their first real um, live football snaps together week one when the game mattered had a lot to do with it. Mm. You also have to look at, you know, the offense as a whole as far as um, timing, um, everyone executing and understanding exactly what they're expected to do in each and every single play. Um, and I, I think that had a lot to do with the slow start. And then they're 0-2 coming into one of the most important five-day stretches of the season to kick it off because you've got – you're 0-2. You've got to travel to New York, and then you come home, and four days later you've got a big primetime game. You win or you lose either one of those. You go into Baltimore 1-3 and or 0-4. and That's detrimental to your season. Mm. Well, that's that's almost good night Vienna, really, isn't it? For the yeah, for any playoff aspirations, at least, which is right. crazy to say. That's that's our expectation now as a Beng- as Bengals fans to be competitive to the point where we are winning divisions and qualifying mm-hmm. for the playoffs. You know, again, how how things have changed in the past couple of years. Um, you mentioned Ted Karras earlier. Um, he's part of a. Uh, a new group, really. Let's 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 just say, Kappa, Collins, Jonah's mm-hmm. still there. Cordell right. Bolson's come in as a rookie. Won um, that job, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 done a he, he looks good. I have to say, he looks pretty yeah. good. You know, um, the pass protection looked pretty good last night from where we were sitting. Was did you feel that as well? It seems to be improving incrementally each week. I thought so. And I've spoken a lot to the offensive line the last few weeks, and they mentioned profusely that they were looking to earn Joe Burrow's trust. Um, And that, of course, involves keeping him upright and giving him enough time to go through his progressions. They were able to do that against the Jets, and um, they were also able to do that great last night. I mean, he was sacked one time and there were only three quarterback hits. Um, keeping him upright is incredibly important. Um, you de- you never want the face of your franchise to be on his back, you know, multiple times throughout a game. So they're finally gelling and and that is that's great timing for them, honestly, going into a really tough stretch of their season. Three of their next four games are on the road. Mm. Um, I would like to see them get that run game going 
um, and really establish that before they head into Baltimore. Well, as they head into Baltimore, um, because when you're when you think about the weather here and you're playing in the AFC North and Pittsburgh and Cleveland, um, you think about those sideways blizzards. It's pretty mm. hard <laughs> to have a great uh, passing game in a sideways blizzard. So you've got to be able to run that ball and run it efficiently. Um, and I know they're working on it, but they've still got a whole lot of work to do. That was going to be my next question. I mean, I, I think everybody's delighted that they've won two back-to-back and got to, to 500 again. The season seems to be kind of going in the right way, uh, yeah. finally. Um but it is that run game. It would if they could just get it working a little bit. It would take so much pressure off Burrow, yes. the offensive line, and then open the playbook up a little bit, uh, force defenses out of that kind of Tampa two cover two thing that they've been trying yeah. to impose on the Bengals. Stop the big play. It would. It would. It would. It would give the Bengals so much benefit on different levels. Okay, here's some questions. Is it? Is is it because Joe Mixon has regressed? Is it because the line aren't blocking and executing their their blocks properly, or is it scheme? Now those three things might not be mutually exclusive. They might, you know, it could be all of those things. But from where you're sitting and watching the games, what 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 can you tell us about why the run game is isn't working? I would have to ask Joe Mixon this for sure, but this is, this is kind of my theory and it might be different from other people's. I was told a, a few years ago, um, back when Zach Taylor was hired and Frank Pollock left, Joe Mixon was incredibly upset that Frank Pollock was leaving. And I was told by other players at the time that Mixon was so upset because Frank Pollock spent so much time with Joe explaining and guiding him um, to make sure that Joe Mixon understood exactly when to hit those holes um, and how to get the most out of the run game. And I believe that he will progress because, you know, the last few weeks, the offensive line and coaches have been talking about, you know, improving the pass blocking game and they have done that. So I believe that they will now focus on the run game. Um, and I think it might be a situation where Joe Mixon has to get used to the offensive line's tendencies as well and recognizing um, certain tendencies of different members of the offensive line. That's my opinion, because the, the that's the one thing that's changed. Joe Mixon and Frank Pollock working together, they've had multiple seasons where he's eclipsed a 1,000 rushing yards in a season. Um, and I do believe that they will be able to improve. I don't think that he is dropped off. I know he's kind of dealing with an ankle injury, but I don't find that to be an excuse because even T Higgins had an ankle injury last mm. night and came back to catch touchdown pass. Um, I, I think that they will get it together. Um, I, I really think it's, it has to do with Mixon understanding the tendencies of the guys up front. And of course, as we mentioned, those are new guys up front. So yeah, new. So you're saying patience. Good things come to those who wait, uh, at least, basically. Um, yeah. But you're right. It, as the weather turns into the fall and then into the winter, it's the run game that really kind of sets teams apart, doesn't it? Um, just real quick uh, before we let you go. I mean, we we absolutely adore our defence at the moment. I'm I'm a huge I've got a proper man crush on DJ Reader. I don't I don't mind admitting that. And I'm absolutely gutted that he's going to be missing for a month or a couple of months probably. Um but what can you say to, about the defense? I mean last night they're just I mean Miami are a I know they lost to her which was terrifying for everyone watching and obviously for two and the players and his teammates and and coaches. Um um, but they're still, they've got some proper weapons on that de- uh, on that offense. And I, I thought the secondary was incredible. They got good pressure on Tira and then Teddy as well. Um, uh, they're just incredible. They're a really incredible unit, aren't they? 
I really think so. And and we didn't see those big splash plays from the defense in the first two games either. They were still getting used to, you know, the speed of the game, the speed of real action, not practice. I think that had a lot to do with it. But we, we were expecting to see the defense of last year where they had 21 takeaways, big splash plays that, you know, carried this team in a lot of moments last year. I think they're carrying the team right now. Um, defense right now, they've gone 11 quarters and they've only allowed one touchdown. That's mm. incredible. I believe that the Cincinnati Bengals defense is completely underrated. Um, and I believe also that Zach Taylor trusts his defense a lot. Mm. And I think the Bengals offense has a job. I've told you about the offensive lineman trying to earn Joe Burrow's trust. Well, the offensive unit as a whole, I think, has to earn Zach Taylor's trust as well. He mm. already has. I mean, he already trusts the defense. Uh, who wouldn't at this mm. point? Right. Um, but I think that's where the state of the team is right now. Mm. And going forward, what do you what do you expect? Do you think they'll be in the mix come the end of the year and going into January? Is that your expectation here? Absolutely. I think anything less than that would would be um, just not even paying attention to the talent that's on this roster. They all have their superlatives talent wise. And when they actually click and they put it together, it's such a beautiful sight to see. Um I think this team has way too much talent to miss the playoffs this season. Mm. Defense clicking, defense is playing really well. And I think once the offense gets up to speed fully, I I don't think they'll be stoppable. Mm. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed, eh? Um, Elise, I promise you that it won't be two years until we have you on again. Um, <laughs> yeah, what the heck? <laughs> thank you. I oh, know. <laughs> Feel free to give me a hard time about that. Um, thank you so much. It's always a delight. And you can, of course, uh, follow Elise on the Twitter at Elise Jesse TV and check her out on uh, Cincinnati Bengals Talk on YouTube and at All Bengals uh, for some really great insights. Elise, thanks so much. We'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you, Paul. Good to see you. And there we go. That's the brilliant Elise Jesse. You can follow her on Twitter at Elise Jesse TV and uh, check her out, as I said, uh, in the, at the end of the interview on YouTube with um, uh, she's part of James Rapine's Evil Empire. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals talk on uh, on YouTube. And uh, also she writes for All Bengals, uh, which, of course, is part of uh, the Sports Illustrated Network. Again, Elise, bang on the money, as ever. She thinks that Joe Mixon, um, it's only a matter of time because, you know, he's still getting used to the offensive line and how they move and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think that's a fair point and a fair argument. Now, I did put this question out there, you know, what about the running game? How's everyone feeling? People on Twitter, at uh, Hooday underscore UK, got back to us uh, to uh, tell us their opinions. Jamie at Trequart Beastead, Bengals need to stop forcing something that isn't happening with Mixon. Maybe give P. Ryan or, Eve, or Evans a drive. In general, we need to lean into using that elite QB and his stockade of weapons. If we do, there's not much to be fearful of. Um, I can see why Zach is persevering with the run. It's crucial. It is crucial. And the temptation is just to let Joe Boy pass it every single down. But that A, that's not healthy for Joe Burrow. B, that, uh, that makes a team very, very one-dimensional, which leads to a defence defending you easier if that makes sense do you know what i mean so i don't i don't but of course something isn't working and it needs to be sorted out because if they could just get the wrong game going just a slither just a just a you know an extra 20 yards a game uh then suddenly you've got a bit of play action in play and suddenly you can add in a bit of misdirection you can keep the keep the defense um on their heels a little bit you know it is crucial and it you know also gives joe boy a bit of a a slight breather as well. So um, I think I think leaning into to more of Joe Boy is the case. Um, but it, again, it depends on the game situation. It depends on you know 
the whole thing, really. Um, what do you think, Nathan? What's what's going on with this run game? Are you going to per- are you persevering with it? Um, yeah, you you have to, don't you? You have to persevere with it, and you have to try and get it going. You can't just give up on it. Um, just I'm just thinking when you were talking, then I was just thinking back to last season, and you do you do remember that back when Burrow was sort of coming back at everything. Um, they really didn't at the back end of last season, or sorry, the, the start of last season, they really didn't use Burrow as much. They really did lean on the run game a bit more and tried to sort of ease him back in. And I almost wonder if they're perhaps doing that a little bit this season. I know obviously he threw the ball a lot in that first game against the Steelers. It went to overtime. You know, you naturally expect that. But the last couple of games, he's attempted 31, 36, 36 passes. It's not gone anything too mental. It's been quite a limited playbook really there's not been too many crazy looks downfield it's been you know a lot of sort of short passes trying to get the ball out quickly trying to build up that rhythm with the offensive line now I wouldn't be surprised at all if they eventually a bit like they did towards the back end of last season just say you know sod it let's just get the yeah get the ball let's, put, let's put our foot down interesting against the Dolphins the Dolphins in some ways were sort of daring us to throw deep which I thought was very bold of the Dolphins and they did get burned but it took us a while to to take the bait, really. So, yeah, I mean, the other yeah. thing as well, like they they had that guy out, didn't they? Is it Howard? He, he yeah, Xavier Howard. Yeah, yeah. You know, so and they they were a bit. I think they had a few knocks as well. Were playing with a few, you know, younger guys out there against what you know. Really, I mean, we talk about it every week. Is arguably the most formidable threesome wide receiver group around the league. So, you know, against sort of some younger guys like that with Joe Boy healthy and a new offensive line. I mean, we were, I think, perhaps naively sitting there thinking Joe Boy was going to be slinging it for three, four hundred every single week. And, you know, it would be an absolute, an absolute carnage out there. And whether it's because the run game can't get going and teams are able to sort of drop back a bit and say, look, Mixon's not really going to carve us up for much, I don't know. But... They need to figure it out quickly because it's ugly. And they're giving so many carries to Mixon, so many touches of the ball. Whether it's just to, like, come on, son, like, sort it out, get something going, we need you moving here. I don't know. But 24 carries for 61 yards in this game. He did get the one touchdown. And then, obviously, in the run game, I mean, you know, four four receptions just for 13 yards. Like, nothing really happening there either. It's, you know, for a guy that's not really getting the ball much, to have 28 touches mm. in a game is, is crazy, really, when you've not seen anything to warrant giving him the ball more. You know, if he's got the hot hand and he's, you know, smashing it up the middle for six, then he's got eight, then he's got 15, and he they can't stop him and keep giving him the ball. But I think to put the ball in his hands 28 times in a game just feels... Slightly naive, um, considering. I don't know about naive. Again, I think there's a reason for it. He just, he just, yeah. he wants to. He wants, you know. Zach always uses that phrase, uh, you know, the dam will break, and I think they just commit to it until the dam. But at the moment, the dam is holding pretty, pretty uh, yeah. firm, you know. And it is. You can either say, is it stubbornness on Zach's part to to carry on with it, or is it, you know, like it kind of did last year? It was similar. You know, it wasn't until that Vegas uh, game on the road that Mixon really, and well, not just Mixon, but the run game clicked into gear. So difficult yeah. to tell. And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, Zach and Frank Pollack and Brian Callan, they're aware of what's going on. They're not, they're, they're not stupid. Um, yeah, I think, I think Mixon as well. He's a big personality in that locker room. You know, he's a real veteran leader now, and. After last week's game, when P. Ryan had that drive, people were saying, oh, you know, give it to Samaj P. Ryan. They didn't even really try this year, uh, this week. You have one carry for, you know, nothing. I think they are very much aware that Joe Mixon, as a leader and as the talent guy, is the number one and it's undisputed and they're not even going to try and get anyone else involved. Chris Evans didn't have anything in the passing game. He had one target, didn't have any receptions. Um, P. Ryan the same, just one target, no receptions. So... It's very much Joe Mixon's offense. You, you, you look around the league at how most other running um, teams run the ball. It's very much a more often than not is a committee approach. I mean, Joe Mixon's getting ninety five percent of the touches yeah, in that yeah. backfield. 
called. Yeah, maybe um, as as Jamie said, words, some you know, some right. words. Yeah, but I I think they know that he's the guy. They're paying him to be the guy. He's the leader. He's the personality. I think if you started, perhaps their line of thinking is right. If we get Chris Evans in there for a drive, we get P Ryan in there for a drive. We take his carries away. Is it going to piss him off? Is he going to you know not cause a problem because I think he's I too experienced. No, I'm not saying he is, but I'm just saying you know are, are the, do they risk sort of you know, causing a bit of a problem there when, you know, on his day, you know, he was fantastic last season. You don't want to just say, right, we're throwing the towel in on the geezer after a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of weeks where mm. you've got a new offensive line and the whole the whole unit really is struggling, not just him. So, Well, they were better so, against Miami, certainly in pass protection, much better. So things yeah, are slowly sure. coming together, yeah. you know. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew Dockle at Dockers 77. I said we'd be either 0 and 4 or 2 and 2, so I'm delighted it's the latter and the combustion of the rest of the division has been great to watch. Huge Sunday night game. We should score on them. Their rush is meh and the secondary is wounded, but I've got concerns on how much we contain Lamar without Lamar without DJ. Uh Ben at I not for nothing. Um I bet Hendrickson is licking his lips at any rush plays Lamar Jackson might be assigned to. But the real issue is that he now seems to be throwing the ball more and farther than ever. Um, True, he looks good this year. Although, you know, there's still questions. When it comes down, you know, the really big games, you know, that's all I'm saying about the Ravens. There's there's mental toughness. That's all I'm going to say. There you go. Uh, D-line, Ben says, needs to be ready to adjust. And surely this game is also all about our backfield. Correct, correct, and correctington. Rough ben. game last night, though, from what I saw. 20, I think you got, like, 20 or 29, really 144 yards, a couple of picks, a couple of sacks. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's... I mean, they're not, they're not unbeatable, the right? And they're a good team, and Lamar's terrific, you know what I mean? Peter Dadswell at Dadders. Two and two, a bit of momentum now in the season. But do you really think we've got out of second gear? Feels like much more to come. Don't peak too early. Exactly. It's a marathon, Pete. Not a sprint. Um, and I do agree with you. I think well, there is plenty to come. Let's hope they can figure it out. Slam dunk, slam dunk, the funk. Solid angle. My only concern is the run game. But I feel we are one big run play from it all falling into place. Lots of debate over Tua and rightly so. After this week's results, this division is for the taking. Here, here. Paul at Picar Burns. Um, for someone who is just picking up how this game works and never watching it before, I would say the performances are improving week on week. But without understanding all the little quirks and plays within the game as a whole, this could just uh, have been a simple statement to make. No, not at all, Paul. And your opinion is just as valid as anyone else's, and uh, keep going with it. It will all fall into place. The more you watch and the more you listen to uh, insightful and entertaining podcasts like Cincinnati, the more that you will learn about this wonderful sport. Um, Matthew at Our Matt. Um, this, uh, no, we didn't start with this. It starts with the. The team has responded exactly how they needed to after an abysmal start. Neither win was overly flashy, but showed good growth and the beginnings of rhythm. Words can't describe how happy I am to see Joe start to play, as we know he can after a rocky start. Derek Davis at ddavis underscore zero two. The pre-season is over. The real season starts Sunday night against the Ravens. Hold on, haven't we been saying that for a couple of weeks now? Um, Hopefully Tua takes a break for his health. That really overshadowed what could have been an amazing Thursday night football win in the jungle. Congrats to Isaac Curtis and Big Willie. Hear, hear. And how brilliant it was to see Isaac and uh, Big Willie receive their Ring of Honor jackets and see their names uh, immortalised onto the stadium. Uh, And genuinely, they're two of my favourite players in Bengals history. So... I think this year, I mean, last year was great, but this year also another incredible class and I can't think of anything or anyone 
uh, more deserving than those two guys. So incredible, incredible scenes. Do you think that your name will ever be on that stadium, son? No. I mean, I mean, I mean, if anybody wanted to campaign for me being ruler of the jungle, then <laughs> I think that's as far as I'm going to get, to be honest with you. But um, your performance, ruler of the jungle, that you know, that Mike, Mike and Katie sort of had a look at you and they said. You know, Elizabeth already knows who you are. She's been on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, they yeah. just turned around and said, this geezer has given a lot to the Bengals over the year for the English fans. <laughs> and, you know, I think you could be in there on that stadium right next to Big Willie's name. It'd be Paul Irons up there. Well, again, I don't think I stand a uh, chance. I think there's more chance of uh, the Bengals naming a marketing suite after Nathan Palmer, the Palmer suite. <laughs> How about that? That sounds more uh, swish. Uh, but yeah, you know, if anyone wants to campaign for me to be ruler of the jungle, it just so happens I might be going out to Cincinnati in a, in a month's time. So you know, it would you know, everything could come together. You know, viral campaign for yourself. Viral campaign. I'm, I'm well. I I can't call for it because it's not a very humble thing to do, and I am a humble guy. A humble guy. I want to know you like there. You know. And um, we need we need we need a really like dodgy promo video. Yeah, I think no, we don't need a dodgy promo video. We need a, a slick and professional. No, no, no. Video. I think we need something a bit like a bit a bit sort of risque. Oh dear! Anyone out there? Don't take any notice from Nathan whatsoever. Anyway, uh, there's plenty of other people that uh, deserve to be ruled of the jungle. Uh, than me, I can tell you that right now. Some of our fan base over here is fantastic. So, uh, uh, right, finally tonight, Rob Hill at surely this season, think Solid think big investments within the AFC has helped us, as so many teams can beat each other, which means we uh, we weren't cut adrift. So that's an interesting point, I think actually. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's hard to know in the AFC who's a good team, isn't it? Like yeah. I. I, I Around the NFL this season, I mean, you'd say the Bills are a pretty, pretty solid team, wouldn't you? And you obviously the Chiefs, I think, are pretty good. But Chargers haven't looked really that good. Neither of the yeah, Broncos. Yeah, they look flawed. The Broncos, oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, the Raiders are, you know, barely getting it together. They won, you know, that, again, long season ahead. So who knows? I've been disappointed with the Colts, man. The the Jags are, you know, the, the Jags could be. I'm not saying they're going to get a Super Bowl, but they could be the team to. To go from last to first, this uh, to worst to first this year, which would be an incredible achievement. But not if they play like they did. Uh, do you, like... do you know, I've got to correct myself, son. Earlier in the go podcast, on. I said we were. I thought the AFC North was all two and two, but I'm. I've completely missed it there. I forgot the Steelers are in the pit, shall we say, at one and three. I forgot they got beat by the Jets last night. So yeah, yeah, it's very funny. Is it just the AFC? Literally, there's only what. Three teams with a winning record in the whole AFC. The yeah. Dolphins have beaten the Chiefs and the Bills. So but that, that speaks quite... to Rob's point there that maybe that everyone's got kind of can you know they've spent so heavily and gone for it. Everyone's sort of cancelling each other out. You know what I mean? Um, but it was a bit like that last year as well, wasn't it? You know, um, I think there is greater parity in the AFC, which for a lot of Americans don't think that's a good thing. But I think that's a, I think it makes for a more exciting. You know, you don't want just one or two teams just winning all the games. You want a league where anybody can beat anybody because that's surely really good fun, right? I think as long as the football's good, yeah, I think yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, um, I think there's. I really think around the league. I don't think it's just us in terms of you know we're looking at sort of how Burrow's playing and how the team's sort of functioning. I think there's a lot of teams around the league, especially the AFC, that aren't performing as they would like. You know, you talk about Russell Wilson with the Broncos as an obvious example, but I think there's a lot of other teams as well that just haven't got it going fully yet. So. Um, I don't think we're alone, and that's why we're in a good position. You know, there's only three teams in the whole AFC that have got better records than us. We've beaten one of them. We haven't played the other two yet. So, yeah, I think onwards and upwards, son, you know? Well, yes, uh, um, indeed. Uh, onwards and upwards and uh, acrosswards, because we're going acrosswards to Baltimore this uh, this Sunday, a late kickoff, the Sunday night football game match and <laughs> super match game and um so get your napping strategies worked out another late late uh kickoff 
um, or early morning kickoff. It will be on the Monday. Um, so another night of Red Zone ahead. We will be putting out uh, an episode of our tailgate uh, at the normal time, actually, just because we kind of think, you know, let's get it out there before you settle down for Red Zone. So check us out from uh, 4.30 British time and 11.30 uh, Eastern. Uh, you can find the online tailgate on our social channels, Facebook, Bengals UK, uh, YouTube, Bengals UK, and, uh, of course, Twitter, at uh, 2 underscore UK. So come and check us out. There'll be some music, there'll be some food, there'll be some daftness, and there'll be some football chat as well. But we do take on the Ravens. Huge game, huge divisional game. Uh, we always play the Ravens tough, uh, as you mentioned, Nathan, um, you know, Lamar looked, you know, and you know, started off the game incredibly well against the Bills. That first half, he looked sensational, and the Bills uh, kind of adjusted in the second half. And I think the key with the the Ravens is that we found over the years, especially with someone like Lamar, is that you you're not going to be able to stop him. You know, it's it's just a case of bending and not breaking. It's limiting him. It's yep. stopping the points. You know, forget the yardage. He can run for two hundred yards. He can pass for. 500 yards but if you keep him out of the end zone and you know they've got Bateman who looks good on on offense so JK Dobbins is back which is a big thing I think Gus Edwards might be back for them uh this week as well um but if you can just bend and not break then you've got a real chance my only worry in this game is that if we're required to go toe to toe because Lamar is scoring points on every drive or whatever it might be, and it turns into a shootout. Our F, our offense isn't quite playing well enough to stand toe to toe. If you see what I mean, and trade touchdown after touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Do you know what I mean? But we're perfectly capable of winning this game, though. Hundred percent. Mark Andrews is the guy that worries me a little bit. Big tight end over the middle. Can we? Um... Can we contain him? He had a very down game um, last week against the Bills. Um, I'll say last week, yesterday against the Bills. Um, so he'll be looking to come back strong. Lou's done a very good job last year. I mean, we absolutely throlicked the Ravens last year in those two encounters. So I'm sure Lou will be sort of adjusting and scheming and trying to sort of do what he can to contain Lamar. Like you said, real shame that DJ Reader's not around. He'd be a real force up the middle there to contain the run game and get some pressure on Lamar Jackson, get him out of the pocket and stuff. But I don't know. Like, yeah, the, the Ravens will be desperate for revenge. They're at home. It's a primetime game. Um, they've had a couple of losses that, you know, they look, they'll look at. And they were up, I think they were up by like 17 points against the Bills at one point yesterday. So they'll be really, really furious about about throwing that away. Uh, but they threw the game away against the, the Dolphins as well. So, you know, there is a weakness there, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, and if anything, we're the opposite. We we have the mental toughness to to almost play rope-a-dope. You know, we're, we're great at just hanging in there, hanging in there, and then bang, uh, just yeah, do it. Well, you know, it's good for the guys, you know, to really impressive for the guys to win basically two football games in what five days. And then you've got a nice long sort of 10 day break before the Ravens to prepare, watch a bit of extra film, get yourself up and ready. So, again, another big thing. I know I bang on about it all the time, but it's so important. There was no notable injuries against the Dolphins. You know, we've got the team intact. The offense is looking very, very strong. So you're taking a pretty healthy squad minus DJ into that game against the Ravens. That's a game that I think. The team, you know, I was talking last week about have we underestimated people a bit here in the Jets and the Steelers and the, the Cowboys with Cooper Rush. That, that was the best game they've. That, that was the best game they've played. So I think the Ravens. That's the best opponent that we'd have played certainly on paper. Um, another primetime game on the road, hostile atmosphere. I think they'll all be well up for it. Divisional game. I I fancy us a bit. I, I know we're underdogs. We won't be underdogs many times this season with the bookies and with the over-under, but we are underdogs going into this game. I think this would be a fantastic opportunity for us to really put a big knockout punch in there and signal our intent within the division, get to the top of it. And then, you you know, after that, you've got a nice run after that. You've got 
the Saints on the road who look a bit all over the place at the moment. They look a bit drunk. Um, the Falcons are not, you know, I don't think we're... Risky yeah. they are, though. Watch out for the Falcons. If there's one game out of that three-game stretch, um, I think we might have a bit of trouble with, I think it yeah. might be the Falcons. They've lost Cordell Patterson, haven't they? The Falcons, he's gone down. I, I, at home, I really think we've got to try and win that. And then the next game's away at the Browns. You know, that could be potentially difficult, but the, the Browns are really not playing very well at the moment. So, you know, I think the Bengals have fancied that. And then you'll be there, son, at the Bengals-Panthers game. That's right, yeah, yeah. And Baker's having a complete shithouse, isn't he? Which is, which is so, really unfortunate for the guy, I think. And... Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's all to play for. Uh, that's it for us. Thank you so much to uh, Elise Jesse, the brilliant Elise Jesse. We won't leave it two years until she comes on again because she's one of our favourite guests. And uh, it's always a pleasure to have her on the podcast. So uh, thank you to Elise. Thank you for very, for, 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 very much for listening. And uh, we'll uh, well don't forget the online tailgate on Sunday if uh, if you're so disposed. And next week we'll be back to discuss what happened in Baltimore overnight. So uh, until that moment comes, dear listeners, uh, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.